0: Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. The book Pilgrim's Progress was written from prison by John Bunyan as an allegory. It was first published in 1678, and this program has been named after his book, We are using an edition edited by C.J. Lovick and we're using it by permission. I want to share again today some portions out of this wonderful, wonderful old book. Now, I spoke with you yesterday about the process of going and kneeling at the cross and the difference between the emergent church, the modern seeker-sensitive church that removes the cross and does the band and the strobe lights and all the entertainment, that church calls you to come and kneel at the cross, to repent of your sin, and then to go on your way It does not call you to go through the cross through crucifixion and into the tomb and then to be stripped of your old clothing to be made new in Christ Jesus to be transformed into a new person by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ they're not concerned with that in fact some churches teach that you don't even begin to speak to people about the lordship of jesus until way down the road where they might need to learn about that but frankly all they're caring about is jesus is savior you confess that you believe in him with your mouth and you're saved and you're on your way and you can go live your normal life and everybody's happy except they're not because they're not saved As I was sharing this last night in our prayer time at the National Prayer Chapel, one of the men began to speak very profoundly, saying, kneeling at the cross is is not really the beginning. There is much that goes before that. And he was right. What goes before that is what Pilgrim, or as he's called in the book, Christian, began to find as he read the Bible. And as he read the Bible, he recognized that he was dressed in rags, that he had no righteousness. He began to tremble and weep, and he began to cry out, what shall I do about this situation, this this condition of my life? I, I want much more. There was a hunger, a distress, and an anguish that was caused in his heart because he cherished the word of God, because he did not rush off in the city of destruction to some entertainment. Instead, he... He meditated upon the word, and he considered the words that were being spoken. And as he cherished those thoughts, the Holy Spirit began to come and convict him and open his eyes to see his true condition. And that's when this burden on his back became obvious to him. He had been unconscious of this burden. He just knew he was exhausted. But as he was seeing now for the first time the true condition of his heart, he didn't know where to turn. And his heart was filled with anguish. The beginning part of being saved, the beginning part of following Jesus is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit coming and speaking to our hearts and revealing to us the burden of sin on our backs. Now, if you can simply go without any real recognition of the burden of sin on your back and kneel at the cross and say a little prayer and be released and then go out to live your normal life saying, I'm a sinner, I'll always be a sinner. I heard one man recently say, I'm the chief of sinners. Well, he was copying the Apostle Paul, but at that point, of course, the Apostle Paul was speaking about the past, not the present. He was concerned. Until there is awakened in our heart... A concern for our spiritual condition, we will never become aware of the burden of sin on our backs that exhausts us. Now, some of you, as I speak today, are exhausted, but you don't know why. Oh, I've been working too much. Oh, I've been doing that. No, there's a burden on your back, and that burden can be relieved. Some of us are exhausted and tired, not because of the burden of that sin, but we're exhausted because of the burden of the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we cry out to Jesus for the strength in our mortal bodies to be quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit that we could do the work of the Lord in the earth, in our business places, in our churches, wherever we are. So there are two kinds of burdens we're addressing here. One is the taking up of the burden of the salvation of the lost, and the other is the burden of sin that holds us back from Jesus. Now evangelists came to him, that is, to pilgrim, to Christian, and told him to run to the narrow gate, the sheep gate. And so he began the journey to that gate. In the midst of going for that gate, he ran and fell into the swamp of despond, which is a common occurrence. As we become conscious of our sin, it's very easy to go into despair and depression and condemn ourselves. It's not helpful, but it's common. And we need to have Christian brothers and sisters who will reach out their hand and help us out of that swamp of despond and encourage us to go on through to the narrow gate. Now, Pliable, one of his neighbors, and Obstinate, another of his neighbors, argued with him about This journey and told him it was useless, but finally Pliable said, Well, I'll go with you. But Pliable had no concept of his sin. He had never read the book, he'd never meditated on the word. And so, when the going became difficult, Pliable eagerly and angrily turned back and left Christian to his own device. Now some will turn back. And many, perhaps you, I pray not, sit in the congregation, or don't go to church at all, and are basically unconscious of your sin. Or perhaps you know of it, but you don't spend any time meditating on your condition before God. You've made up lies for yourself about why you don't need to worry about it and and how God loves you just the way you are and and you're saved and and everybody's going to go to a better place when they die. Perhaps you have lied to yourself about it. Or perhaps today there is a growing conviction in your heart That you must deal with your sin. And so you make progress, and you finally come to this narrow gate. And you knock, and above it is written the words knock, and it will be opened to you. But now I want to tell you what I've discovered. that most people who knock on the door, it does not open for them. Many knock on the door, but as Bunyan says, the castle of Belzebub is close by, and there are archers there who are shooting at you, and they seek to kill you before you can enter into that gate. Now, please, this is vital for you to hear and understand, but it's likewise terrifying to hear and understand. You can knock on the gate and not receive an answer. And why would you knock on the gate and not receive an answer? Well, because you're not serious yet about your sin. It's not a place where a casual traveler comes you see there is a broad and spacious way there is a very comfortable path and if you're not serious about your sin yet you'll take the broad way, which leads to destruction and death but it seems to be a very pleasant path but the end thereof is destruction so you come and you knock on this narrow gate and there's no answer and you knock again, and there's no answer. And you call out, and there's no answer. Maybe, maybe the little door on the very top, the peep window, opens and asks who it is that's coming. And you say, I'm coming to receive salvation. And the man says, go away. I don't know you. And he closes the little people. And you're standing there saying, what's going on? Why am I not being admitted? And then you say, well, forget it anyway. I'll go my own way. I don't need to go through this gate. There's a broad gate right over there. I'll go through that gate. There's more than one way to get there. And so you walk away. And you find a church that suits you. You find a church that's friendly and happy and lots of entertainment and cute sermons, little short biddies, maybe 10 or 15 minutes max. I mean, one man I spoke with, I said, how's your new pastor doing? Oh, he's wonderful. We love him. And I said, why is, why is your heart so drawn to him? Well, that's easy. He tells very interesting stories and he only preaches for 15 minutes and we're out of there. And I said, and you like that? Well, yes. I said, my, my brother, I preach for 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes more. And he said, oh, that wouldn't work in our church. We'd all get up and walk out. Really? That wouldn't work in your church? What kind of church do you have? Is your interest in Jesus? He was quite offended, as I was. So, it's possible to go and knock on this door, and the door won't open. And arrows will come flying at you, and they might even kill you. Because you're not serious yet about your sin. You want to benefit, but you don't want to pay the price. You want the gift without the price. There's no shortcut into this gate. There's no easy way into this gate. It is, according to Scripture, a narrow gate. Let me read it for you. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Or literally, enter ye in at the gate that has so much around it, boulders, pillars, so much around it that, that it's very difficult to get through. You can't take your luggage in with you. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That word narrow means literally to compress, to press together. In other words, to get through this narrow way, everything in your life must be compressed into a single focus. And that single focus is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Everything is about suffering and crucifixion. And one of the men last night made a very good observation. He said, Pastor, you talk about crucifixion, but most don't understand what that means. Could you be more specific? And he suggested, are you saying total consecration, total surrender, giving up the fight? I said, yes, that's it. That's what it means to be crucified with Christ. It means to give up your own life. It means to recognize that the natural life of the carnal man or woman or of the religious man or woman. The normal life where you can walk through the world enjoying and working and being one of everybody else, living your normal American high-style life. If that's the life you have, you cannot enter into the narrow way. Now, there are many in other nations who understand this. In China, and in other nations, Saudi Arabia, Vietnam, Qatar. In other nations, Christians, like in Iraq or Afghanistan, understand that the price for following Jesus could be literal crucifixion or beheading, being tortured, having your wife and your children destroyed, the price is very high. Well, the price is equally high for an American. It means giving up our life. So when we refer to crucifixion, we mean. The death of the natural life. The death of the natural life. The life of self-will. The life of stiff-neckedness. The life of rebellion and refusal to walk in the holiness of God. There's a story that illustrates this in the book of Mark. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but let's, let's just review it. Because it's a wonderful example of Jesus dealing with the narrow gate. There was a, a very wealthy young man, a Jewish man, He came running to Jesus, and he knelt down in front of him, and he said, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This is Mark, the 16th chapter, verse 17. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus tries to teach him something. He said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. In other words, Jesus is saying, Look, do you recognize that I am God? Now, it's necessary that this rich young ruler recognize that Jesus is not just a teacher, not a rabbi. He is God. And when we come to Jesus, we must recognize we are not coming for some teaching we are coming because he is God Jesus is God and so we come to Jesus as God now listen to what he says this is Jesus speaking in verse 19 thou knowest the commandments do not commit adultery do not kill do not steal do not bear false witness defraud not honor thy father and thy mother and this rich young ruler quickly answers and said unto him master all of these things i observed from my youth in other words i've done all these things jesus but there is still an emptiness in my heart what do i need to do in order that i may gain eternal life and jesus looks upon him and the scriptures say in verse 21 Jesus loved him the heart of Jesus went out to this man who had lived a righteous life who was seeking more Jesus loved him and so he said unto him now I want you to understand the reason Jesus is saying this to this rich young ruler is because he loves him. Jesus is not a thief. He's not trying to be hard on you. He loves you. And so this message, I pray you're hearing it today in the context of the love of Jesus Christ. He loves you. He's given himself for you. He said, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Jesus is saying to this man, you may enter into that narrow gate, but the price for entering into that gate is that you must give all that you have. It is his possession that he loves. It is his stuff that gives him security. It is his life that he loves. And Jesus is saying, you must take up the cross and follow me. Well, where was Jesus headed with his cross? To Golgotha. To die on the cross. And Jesus is telling this rich young ruler, you must come with me and you must die on that cross. You cannot just come and kneel at my cross and say a few words and expect then that you can be saved. You must die. You must be totally given over to Jesus. You must consecrate yourself entirely to him. Now please, hear the words I speak to you today. Most of you who listen are probably still not ready to give up everything for Jesus. And so you're not the ones I really want to talk to for a moment. I want to speak to that man or that woman, that boy or girl, who has come to the conclusion that Jesus must be everything for you. And you're willing to take up your cross and follow him. Now I know that he is calling some of you. I know Jesus is preparing to break out in revival power in this nation's capital. I know he's calling us to intercession and prayer for this capital, for America, for our government, For our President and the Congress. I know Jesus is calling many of us to begin seriously interceding for this nation. But before you can enter into that intercession, you must give up all that you have and you must take up your cross and you must knock on that door and enter through it. Now, how can you do that? On a very practical level, it means you must begin spending many hours reading the scriptures, praying, fasting as the Lord leads you to, and praying seeking the face of Jesus, and he will instruct you. He will tell you the way in which you must go. But your life is over. If you will follow Jesus, he will give you a new life. And the life you now have, you will lose. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul this rich young ruler says in verse 22 and he was sad at that saying and he went away grieved for he had great possession he had great possession And Jesus looked around about, and he saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure saying among themselves and who can be saved and jesus looking upon them saith with men it is impossible but not with god for with god all things are possible do you notice it does not say that riches are a sin it says the man who trusts in his riches will have a hard time entering the kingdom of god So Jesus very clearly teaches that many are called, but few are chosen because few will die and take up their cross and follow Jesus. Most expect to go to the gate, be quickly entered in, go to the cross, kneel down, and then get up, and go their way now I want to tell you there is a cross on the narrow path and there is another cross on the wide path the broad way many churches line the broad way what do I mean there is no discipleship there is no giving up of your life You can still keep your love for all of the modern sports and all the modern entertainment and the video games. You can keep all of your love for everything in the world, the flesh and the devil. You can live a normal life and have everybody love and respect you. That's the broad path. The narrow path is a very different path. The narrow path calls for you to take up your cross and die. So the Broadway, the cross there, you kneel, you say a little sinner's prayer, and then you get up and dance away, and you're saved, and now you should just go have fun. As one pastor at the beginning of the worship service said, hey, let's have fun today. I listened to a pastor who's a national broadcast spokesman, and he said, when you go to church, know that you're saved and you're just there to have a good time. You're there to have fun. That was his word, fun. You're there to have fun. Fellowship, laugh, have a good time. Be inspired by the words of your pastor and then go out and have a wonderful victorious week. Victorious in the world, the flesh and the devil, not in Jesus Christ. So, Enter ye in at the straight gate, Matthew 7, verse 13, the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad, or spacious, is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. The majority of those in America who call themselves Christians have gone to the cross on the Broadway. And it's not the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the cross of the modern gospel. I listened to one foolish PhD from the emergent church, the seeker sensitive church, saying Sola Scriptura no longer works. We have come too far, and now we must establish a new base of authority. My dear brother and my sister, you know what my base of authority is? My base of authority is first and foremost, Jesus Christ. He is my authority. And then the word of God, it is sola scriptura. It is the word of God only. That is my base of authority. It is the word of Jesus Jesus by his spirit breathed the word of God and men wrote down and it is suitable for correction, instruction, salvation. I trust the word of God. It has authority. It has the authority of Jesus Christ. There's no new authority necessary and certainly no human flesh authority. And they have invented a new Christian church, they call it. They want to create a Christian church that is suitable for the modern age. They are wicked beyond belief. If you're a part of one of these seeker-sensitive churches, I plead with you in the name of Jesus, run, 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 get out of there, flee, If you're in a church that's full of entertainment, laughter, it's a social church. Run for your life. You're going to die there on that broad way. Find the narrow path. Few there be that find it. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. This is Matthew 7 verse 14 Now it's of great interest to me, verse 15 Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are raving wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So he speaks about the broad way that leads to destruction, and then he speaks about the straight gate, and then he says, beware of false prophets. That's all in context, because he knows that false prophets rule in the broad way. And they're very convincing and very seductive. Anyone who does not teach you that you must come to Jesus and die, that you must take up your cross, you must give total consecration, total oneness to Jesus and turn away from your sin. To be made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ and by his blood Anyone who does not teach that is a false prophet. And the scripture warns you must flee for them. But they're very pleasing. They talk about prosperity and strategies for success. They talk about grace and love. They talk about you're saved unconditionally. They say you will always sin and God accepts you just the way you are, you'll always be a part of the family of God. Once you're born again, you cannot be unborn. These who teach this are false prophets. They are not of Scripture, and they are not of Jesus. They are of a different gospel, a gospel that is proclaimed on the broad way, not on the narrow way. Now we're almost out of time today but I just want to quickly say if if you need to be prayed for today if you're ready to go all the way with Jesus and you'd like to be prayed for would you quickly call me and I'll be happy to talk and pray with you. Our phone number here in studio is 877 534 Eight zero. quickly call, and I'll take this precious time to pray with you. I want to talk to some of you who are eagerly seeking the narrow gate. You're knocking at that narrow gate, and you're asking that the door be opened for you. And so far, you've been knocking, but you don't feel like you've gotten very far. I'd like to pray with you. The phone number is 877 534 0780. We have just a few minutes. Call now. I'll pray with you. I know that there must be a great awakening in Washington, D.C., the casualness must be cast aside and with earnest seriousness. We must recognize sin for sin and turn and follow after Jesus. Is that your heart cry? Or are you discouraged today? You're in the swamp of despond and you'd like to be prayed for. You're not sure what's going on. You thought you had died and entered into Jesus Christ. But somewhere in this journey, you've been overburdened. Hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. Are you there? Yes, I am. How can I pray for you, brother? I'm just in agreement with what you're saying
1: and teaching. Um... I've been knocking, but I, I'm not there yet, and um, carrying a little bit of a heavy heart because of um, some issues and trying to reach back to people that I've had relationships with and seem like I can't
0: uh, get a hold of them. So you're lonely? Uh, yeah, <laughs> um,
1: I know the word of God, and Hebrews 13:5 says, "The Lord." We'll never leave you or forsake you. And I know that's a promise. But at the same time, I'm just trying to reach out and and, uh, make connections and um, and let go of um, many parts of the past.
0: Yes. Let's pray. Lord, today I know, Brother Alex, by your spirit, I know he has entered through that narrow gate. And I know he is on that straight and narrow path that he did not take the broad way. And Lord, in this story of of Bunyan's, he has a man by the name of Hopeful who comes and joins together with Christian. Lord, I'm asking now, would you send that Hopeful That man or woman into Alex's life that will walk with him and encourage him in the journey Lord it is a lonely lonely journey when you walk by yourself and it's so easy for the devil to bring great discouragement to our hearts how many times Lord I have awakened in the morning and had to rush to the prayer closet because my heart was so filled with the agony of being alone. Lord, I pray right now that in your divine power and wisdom you would bring hopefuls into Alex's life who would walk with him in obedience to you and be a great encouragement to his heart and that he could be a great encouragement To their hearts. For Lord, I know Alex knows your word backwards and forwards, and I know he loves you with all of his heart. But the devil comes and lies to him and tells him that he is not loved, that he is cut off. He knows you will never leave him or forsake him, but he's overwhelmed by his loneliness. So, Lord, I ask that you would minister to him by your spirit right now. I ask, Lord, that others who are listening would lift their hands with me and pray your blessing over Alex and the healing of his heart, that you would send to him those precious encouragers, that you would surround him with men and women who would encourage him in the journey toward heaven. Lord, thank you. I ask your precious blessing on Alex now in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Thank you, Brother Ray. You you, you prayed my heart. It's like you knew
0: by the those were my words. I, by the Spirit, I do know. Yes, I see. God, God bless you, my brother. I encourage you in the strength of Jesus. And watch what he will do in bringing those encouragers, those hopefuls into your life right now. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Okay. Mr. Producer, any other calls? Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Do you know Jesus loves you? He loves you. But he wants to call you to give up all that you have and follow him. (laughs) Will you do that? Will you give up all that you have and follow after Jesus? Will you finally come to this door? And will you stand there and knock as Christian did, not once or twice, but many times? And will you say, may I now enter will he within open to pitiful me, though I have been an undeserving rebel? Lord, would you do that? Thank you. Welcome, Beth. What would you like to share? Welcome, Beth. What would you like to share?
1: Well, I've been following you for quite a while and truly have come to have confidence in your ministry. And the message that you're putting out is resonating with many of us who have walked the same path and i'm just calling to encourage you because it is a lonely journey in a lot of ways and yet as you say there's nothing but jesus that we would not give up this journey for anything in the world there's nothing we want here and we're walking together and there, I'm sure there are many many of us who are listening maybe we're not in contact with you all the time but we're here we you're in the, in our prayers and I just bless you and thank you for your steadiness and encourage you to continue and you will see the fruits of your labor. The time is coming for all of us
0: <laughs> Beth, thank you for that wonderful encouragement. Would you mind praying? For those today who are struggling in the journey.
1: That brings up great sadness because I know how hard it is for them. Yes. And how they can see maybe a little piece here or a little piece there. They can't see the whole picture. That by virtue of steadiness, God has revealed to some of us to know his true presence and joy So I would love to pray for them. Thank you. So now, in the name of Jesus, I bless all my brothers and sisters who are on the narrow way. And there is a scripture that says that the violent take it by force. And I believe that that violence is one we must do to our flesh to step away out of our comfort zone, to risk to let go of control, to let go of the need to avoid and trust Him. Pastor has said to us over and over how faithful you are, Lord Jesus. And I pray for each one of you in that mighty, powerful name. And ask now, in that name, that holy, godly, powerful name of Jesus, that you may be renewed in your minds, that you may be given eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name. Blessings in Jesus' name. Thank you. Bye-bye. Amen.
0: We have five minutes left in this broadcast, and you're welcome to call. We can take at least one more caller. 877 534 Zero seven eight, zero, and thank you, Beth, for that precious word. I know you're right on track. Is there anyone else who would like to call and bear testimony, or you need prayer today because your heart is broken or discouraged, or because you really haven't been willing to lay it all down, and today you're saying yes. Yes. And Beth is absolutely right. The love of Jesus is so great. His mercy and his compassion are so great. And he calls us to enter in. And our life is then never the same again. We are changed. We are made into new people. The old is gone and the new has come. I remember that old hymn we used to sing as a child. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's my experience. Is it yours? 877 Five three four zero seven eight zero. Call quickly, brother Kevin. Do we have any callers? All right. We're going to continue this theme tomorrow. I ask, please be with us. Invite a friend to listen with you. Also, I invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And we're coming to the end of the month and we're still a long ways from our goal of being able to pay for this month's broadcast. This is a faith ministry. We don't have a large church that can underwrite this broadcast. We trust Jesus to underwrite it. And as he moves in your hearts and as you give what Jesus directs you to give, The broadcast, month by month, has been paid for in such a miraculous way. It's all Jesus. And I thank you. The sacrifice of many of you. Thank you. If you would, you can send your tithe, offering, or whatever the Lord tells you to send to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. One word, nationalprayerchapel.com. And there you'll see a donate button. And many of you ask, please, Pastor, could we give with a debit card or a credit card? And yes, you can now on PayPal. But I ask, please, don't go in debt to give. Only give out of what Jesus has made possible for you. Now let's pray. Almighty God, this has been your time, and you have moved in power to encourage and to love. And many are in the valley of decision. I see them in my spirit, by your spirit. I pray for them today, Jesus, that you will call them to read the scriptures, to fast, to pray, to be serious with you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I love you, my brother and my sister. I'll talk to you soon.